This episode of EM Weekly has been archived. The ideas presented by the former host of EM Weekly may not reflect or represent the values of the Readiness Lab and the Doberman Emergency Management Group. Out of respect for the guests who contributed to this episode, it remains available online. EM Weekly starting right now, bringing emergency managers from around the world together to learn, share, and collaborate. We branch out much more than just the incident management team itself because of everything that we touch. We are often working very closely with FEMA as subject matter experts on uh, the, uh, you know, the NIMS refresh. We were very much involved different initiatives, both within the National Wildland Coordination Group and with, um, with FEMA on, on, on the progressiveness of where they're going with their doctrines. Hey, welcome to Ian Weekly, and this is your host, Todd DeVoe speaking. And this week we are talking to Randy Collins from the All Hazards Incident Management Teams Association. And it's kind of a cool concept uh, that was started by Randy and a few other people a few years ago of taking a look at the All Hazards Incident Management Team, putting it together regarding what standards there should be and, and some training and stuff like this. Randy, uh, who became the first president of the organization, he's also the CEO, has been there since the beginning, and a few other people from all over the country are, are part of this organization. The cool part about this is Randy and his team, they go around and, and they fight for what all hazards incident management team should really look like, and setting goals and objectives and, and setting the standards for, for what this is. And they're, they are a 501c3, and we'll learn more about them here in a little bit when, uh, when Randy comes on, and uh, talk about uh, his program. But I'm really excited to have him here today. And the cool part about it is we actually ran into each other at the CSEC conference, the California Emergency Services Association conference in uh, Palm Springs, California. Well, actually, it's Indian Wells, California. And it was a really great conference. Got to sit down, talk, and have a conversation really about what this organization is and, and what they're doing for emergency management. And uh, Randy has a really cool background. I will let him tell that part of the story. Before we get into the interview, I'd like to invite you guys to join the uh, conversations that we're having on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, all that social media stuff, LinkedIn as well. You know, I think that uh, having those conversations, joining groups, joining organizations like we're going to talk about today with Randy is really important for us to provide a good background of emergency management across all spectrums and also to really progress what emergency management really is, is in the United States. Some of the conversation that we got into also talks about how we want to professionalize emergency management. And if you've been listening to the show at all, you'll know that that's one of my uh, my key points here is to make emergency management a standalone profession that people want to grow up to be. You know, not that they uh, fall into it like I did or that they uh, found out the career is over in some other job and decided that they wanted to uh, do emergency management. We want the EM space to be full of emergency managers. So let's get into the interview. So Randy, welcome to Ian Weekly. Thanks, Todd. It's a pleasure to be here today. Having a good time here at the CISA conference and uh, it's a pleasure to meet you this weekend. So yeah. I'm happy to be here. Same here. So Randy, tell me, how did you get involved in emergency management? So I got involved with emergency management by coming out of the Marine Corps and wanting a, a 
job as a police officer. And I was a police officer for a couple of years in a small town southwest of Indianapolis called Mooresville. And uh, after doing that for a couple of years, saw a, a job as the state emergency operations center manager for the, at the then what was called the Indiana State Emergency Management Agency. And took that job un, unknowing really about what emergency management was, but I'm way better emergency manager than I ever would have been a cop as have much more strategic view on on things than than more of that detailed tactical perspective. So, uh, and I think the Marines kind of really honed that in on me. But what was really, what I really found cool was I'm a second generation. I didn't know at the time, but my grandfather worked for the civil defense. Oh, cool. And was a civil engineer with the civil defense in Indiana. And actually upon my uh, grandmother's passing, as we were cleaning out some property in my grandmother's home, I found a paper of my grandfather's that was of the 1974 tornado outbreak and had some scratches all over it, notes and things like that, and had the phone number to the EOC, which was my phone number. That's still my phone number. That's crazy. For, the, for digits anyway, the prefixes had changed at the time. But uh, over the years. But so I had this familial connection as well. So it, it, it's a, a discipline that has really chosen me versus me choosing it. And I just kind of stumbled into it, not knowing what it was all about. That has to be the best story I've ever heard about the, the, the career path to emergency management. Yeah, I, I love emergency management. I love the the way that, you know, the approach that emergency managers have in terms of getting different people together to, to solve problems. And I really think it, although very well, the right strategy to use for disasters, but also just such a, a good problem solving tool to mm. deal with any type of social problem that, that may come about. And so, uh, Emergency managers should run the world. I agree. <laughs> All right. We'll make that declaration today, and it's going to happen. Make it so. So your background, education-wise, is in org management, right? Uh, well, I got my uh, bachelor's degree in law enforcement a little bit while I was in the Marine Corps and then finished when I got out uh, and as I was a police officer. And then here recently, uh, starting in 2015, I completed my Master of Leadership from the University of Southern California and went straight into a doctorate program in organizational change and leadership. So, okay, I have to ask this question. Yeah. You're from Indiana. Yeah. And Notre Dame's from Indiana. Sure. And now you're SC. I am totally SC, fight on all the way. <laughs> oh, poor, poor Indiana. Sorry. <laughs> you guys lost one. Oh, man. Okay, so that's cool. So that's awesome. So you're going through the PhD program or the EDD? It's an educational doctor. Education. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's awesome. So higher education is great. And so you're moving forward with this. So you know a lot about like the whole leadership principles a lot about Drucker and Max Weber and all those guys. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I love, I love studying leadership. It was something that, you know, kind of got instilled with me in the Marine Corps. And I've just continued to, uh, you know, I, that's what I have always read outside of emergency management was leadership books, a lot of John Maxwell, things like that. And so it's just really stuck with me and really wanted to uh, get into that. And that's why I chose that at uh, University of Southern California. I think that's a good degree. Again, any any kind of leadership degree, I think, is is a good degree for somebody coming into emergency management who doesn't necessarily have the opportunity to go to a, a traditional EM program. Like I, I tell people this all the time, is that my students that I have now that are thinking about doing like CJA or fire administration degrees, I really try to push them into like a public administration degree or to a leadership degree because I think those are really well-rounded. And for those of us that are in emergency management, I think that's a, a critical thing to think to have is that thinking outside of, of, of structure is what it is, and it's really built upon what we do. So I think it's a really well fit. 
It's it's an amazing fit. I, I couldn't even, you know, well, they didn't have a lot of emergency management degrees when I started my bachelor's degree back right. in, in 1998 into the 2000. And, and after 9-11 is when it really boomed, right, obviously. Right. So, I, you know, so I was still on a track to do a law enforcement career, too. So I got you know, law enforcement is, you know, at, at least somehow applicable to public safety. But then uh, when I really wanted to look into doing my advanced degree, you know, I, I kind of considered, do I want to do a, an emergency management or a homeland security degree background? But I, I really decided, well, no, I've got a re- really great career in emergency management. What would enhance my resume more is something that diversifies me more. Right. And then going into leadership has been an amazing experience. I think it has increase my ability as an emergency manager tenfold because your ability to influence and and Thomas Drabeck, if you're familiar with him, he's very prominent about being emergency managers being a change change agent. And if you are in emergency management, you need to be changing your community. And to do that, you have to have some influence and know how to read people, know what kind of things are going to to get you further and, and, and cause change in your community. And I think that's huge for emergency managers to be leaders as well. Yeah, I agree 100%. So we got you here today talking about the All Hazards Incident Management Teams Association. Tell us a little bit about that organization. Yeah, this is a great organization. I got involved right at the outset and a company called Incident Management Training Consortium started having some incident management symposiums starting in 2008 and growing out of that symposiums was a grassroots movement to form an organization. So by 2010, one of our board members was also one of the founders filed the paperwork and they incorporated in in Colorado in 2010 and they selected an, an inaugural uh, board of directors at that particular conference in Denver, and and I was one of the ones chosen. So I've been honored to be on the board since 2010, and have been the president and CEO since 2012. And the association was formed with the intent on building out incident management teams and and really uh, spreading the word about how the use of teams during incident management is so much better than just the the initial formation of, of an ICS organization, which, mm-hmm. which is absolutely vital. I don't mean to diminish that at all, but once you get into a point where you know you're into a multi-operational incident that's going to go on for days, if not weeks or months, and has all kinds of incident complexities, it's really good to bring in a team that really knows their positions and knows how to work within the system and work with one another, just like any professional team, any NBA or NFL team uh, works together. And so then to have teams that are applicable across the board, whether it's a flood, hurricane, or snowstorm, whatever it is, being able to use these teams was obviously a force multiplier for any jurisdiction to build a team that can deal with the the diversity of the hazards that they have to deal with. You know, it's interesting because with Florence coming through, FEMA early on requested teams, IMTs. And uh, the, from Cal OES, I'm, I, I, for those of you who don't know, I, I'm in California. And they put down the... the the word they're looking. They were looking for teams of teams of four uh, that had IMT three level training, and they were sending them together out to um, I think it was North Carolina, mm-hmm. uh, who was requesting um, as teams. Mm-hmm. And I actually had a conversation with somebody. The message came through a little not quite that way, and I was talking to her about Kelly. and she's like, "No, we're looking for jurisdictions to send their." 
team out. And I was like, that's a really kind of a cool concept. Number one, they're working together. They know each other. Number two, now they're actually getting other experience outside the country, not outside the country, but outside of their um, area of operation and to be able to help other areas of the country. You know, and I thought that was really kind of a neat way of doing it. Is this kind of what, what you guys envisioned with your organization? We definitely support that mission 100%. And, and that's a little bit how I got involved with it. My job at that time in 2010 was I was working for the Indiana Department of Homeland Security. And, and one of my jobs was developing what we call our district response task forces and in those task forces included a type 3 incident management team and so we were very successful at establishing 11 teams within Indiana and and so I got some name recognition there and that's how I got selected for the board for AHIMTA but in that vein we used our teams in Indiana to deploy not only in state so the, the teams were were designed there to deploy obviously within their region and support incidents that happen within their regions within the state. And then we can also deploy them across the state. So when we had a tornado outbreak in 2012, we used a good portion of our 11 teams down in that tornado outbreak in the southeast portion of the state. And then later in 2012, we had Hurricane Sandy and we had well, actually four different teams deploy to different jurisdictions on the East Coast. Three of them actually ended up merging together and going to support New York and Long Beach, New York and, and helping out there. So that's, uh, and, and to your point, that gave us an opportunity to get these incident managers to different incidents that gave them operational experience and, and they bring that back to the state and that makes the, the, them much, much more proficient at disaster response in, in their own backyards. So that's uh, been an excellent thing. And so with AHIMTA, one of the things that we do is work with NEMA and the Emergency Management Assistance Compact process to, to try to facilitate things that are, make it easier for incident management teams to get deployed. So our association helped NEMA come up with a mission-ready package of what an incident management team should look like, what positions should be included on, on just your standard IMT request, and what the qualifications of that and what equipment should co go along with, the, with those teams. So we're very much about trying to support getting teams to disasters wherever they may be. So how would somebody become part of this association? The rest of that story when we return from our break. Seconds count during an emergency. That's why at Titan HST, we're always inventing new technology to help people stay safe and help people who can provide help get connected with people who need help. At Titan HST, we've deployed mesh networking, allowing emergency communication even when networks are down, augmented reality, and real-time translation. We believe in the power of people to help each other stay safe and thrive. Emergency managers need exercise in order to test preparedness and efficiency during an emergency situation. TTX Vault provides pre-assembled, pre-filled out tabletops, drills, and functionals so you can exercise more effectively and at a reduced cost. With TTX Vault, customers receive either a disk or flash drive pre-uploaded with the exercise of their choice. Print out the documents, review, fill in the information, and you are ready to execute the exercise. Your first step to preparedness is going to ttxvault.com. Welcome back from that quick break, and thank you so much for listening to the sponsors, because without them, we couldn't do what we're doing here at Ian Weekly, and hit them up, check them out, say hi, tell them that uh, we sent you. Now for the rest of the story. 
So how would somebody become part of this association? It's really easy. If you're involved in incident management teams or just want to know more or want to be a part of our association, you just go to www.ahimta.org. And uh, there's a sign-up uh, uh, procedure there right on the website. Become a member today. And it's uh, we, we because it's a grassroots movement, we've tried over our eight-year history now to keep the fees very low. It's a $50 membership fee. It's very cheap compared to other emergency management associations and professional associations. So we uh, we really strive to keep that, that price low for our members. Now, do you have to have like at least a level three training to become one or do you, can you join here and then get training? How does that work? Yeah, you can join at any time. Uh, and we, we want as many people that, that want to become members. Obviously, the number of our members lends to the strength of, of our association. And, and you don't have to be on a team. You don't have to be credentialed in any way. A lot of our members obviously are because they're very much interested in IMTs. But uh, we also have other members that are just involved in the space. Maybe they teach ICS or maybe they are involved with uh, deployment and EMAC deployments and, and things like that. So we branch out much more than just the incident management team itself because of everything that we touch. We are often working very closely with FEMA as subject matter experts on uh, the, you know, the NIMS refresh. We were very much involved different initiatives, both within the National Wildland Coordination Group and with, um, with FEMA on, on on the progressiveness of where they're going with their doctrines. You guys are associated with teams that are working in the wildland areas and also in the urban settings as well, right? Absolutely. We, we're all hazards and wildfire is an all hazards. Um, and that's been a, not a point of contention, but a really uh, murky area because I really think that originally the all hazards terms term came out trying to differentiate it from wildland. Mm-hmm. And and because we already had wildland teams, and so all hazard teams meant everything but wildland at at that time, you know. And then and then over the years, it's kind of gotten murky as to what really all hazards means and, and that sort of thing. And then wildland already has a very proficient qualification system, mm-hmm. so they were very protective about making sure that all hazard incident management team members that wanted to participate in the wildland world are competent and and that sort of thing. So that's been uh, an area that we've spent a lot of time working on. And, but what we're seeing though is number one, the the blending now, um, many of the position specific training is, uh, is, is universally accepted, whether it's NWCG or on the all hazard side, it's all the uh, position specific training that is done through EMI. With the, with the exception of some very key operational uh, positions such as strike team leader or div, div group soup training or incident commander training or, or whatever. There's, there's about four of them that aren't accepted by NWCG. They still maintain their, their own course there. But what we're also seeing, though, is as we've gotten into some pretty significant wildland fire seasons, the past several years is the teams are getting shallow. Uh, the wildland teams are getting shallow. So they've started really utilizing and reaching out to all hazard teams to do more non-operational roles, such as managing logistical staging areas or mobilization sites. Uh, so that's that's been exciting for us because now all of a sudden we're, we are starting to see this blend of teams and, and so many people working together. So our membership has a lot of, of wildland uh, fire qualified people in our in our membership, as well as traditional all hazards people that maybe live, you know, where I'm from, Indiana, not a big wildland fire state. Right. Uh, but now you see a lot of our all hazard people in Indiana going out on wildland fires, and uh, because they they have now been exposed and, and want to get more proficient in their area, and that's just one there one more area that can they can benefit from. You know, I, I worked on two 
pretty significant fires here. And I was at the command post with the incident command team over there. And there are a lot of jobs that you do over at the ICP area that has nothing to do with being on the fire line. For sure. You know, and, and so, and you need to be a qualified emergency manager to really understand what's going on over there, um, being able to interact with the chiefs, making the decisions, knowing what sections are doing what, and being part of the whole briefing. And it's a lot of work. I mean, I was on, I was out there for, I think it was like 18 days straight on, on one fire. And another, the next one was like another seven days straight on a different fire. And, and it's a lot of work. So, you know, so I, I see what you're saying, how you can actually get those all hazard teams and, and have them coordinate inside there, doing stuff like logistics, doing stuff like staging manager, you know, those type of things, donations management on one section, you know, that type of thing. That's kind of cool. As a member, if you decide to join this organization, what do you get out of it? So because we are a no-frills organization at $50 a member, um, we don't have a lot of individual membership benefits, mm-hmm. per se, in terms of we don't offer insurance or discounts or things like you see in some other professional organizations. Most of our members are just diehard about the mission. And so what their return on investment is the inroads that we've made with NWCG and and accepting different task books or getting people entered into uh, raw systems and getting people accepted into raw systems because we're advocates in that area or influence and an ability to influence FEMA and other stakeholders and, you know, like NEMA and EMAC in, in regards to things that make sense for incident management teams. So some of the things that, you know, some of the great things that you see in the new national qualification system. That's because we've had some direct input there. So, and, and so what our money goes to is, is funding our, our travel to different meetings that those, those decisions are being made and, and that sort of thing. So, and then of course we have our annual symposium, which we hope everybody uh, comes to this year. It's going to be in Hilton Head, December 4th, 5th and 6th, 2018. So hope to see all of you there, but you get a discount being a member, $50, do- $50 discount. So <laughs> you're making your money right, uh, right there. So That's Perfect. Uh, yeah. So if you, you make your member, you're getting a discount off the registration. So uh, that's a good I, enough benefit right there. You yeah, know? absolutely. <laughs> uh, but generally, it's because our members uh, just believe in the mission, and it's not a lot of money, and and they just want to see incident management teams proliferate. Yeah, that's true, and I'm sure you get some sort of networking opportunities as well associated with that too. And so that's all also important. It's huge network. Uh, as a matter of fact, I went to Hurricane Harvey in Texas, where the state of Texas Forest Service requested AHI. MTA to come in and help develop a, a report as to how they use the incident management teams during that time. Since we were at preparedness level five on the, on the wildland side and there weren't IMTs available on the wildland side, it was a very unique situation. So I got to go down there and one of the one of the things we really realized is the networking that went on and the teams that came in, the all hazard teams that came in, they knew each other because they had all been to the conferences together mm-hmm. and have been in, uh, and have really developed relationships over time. And that's a huge piece of that. So, yeah, the, the networking is invaluable at the conference and being a member really connects. It's, it's amazing to me when I go through my news, my social media feeds. And there's there's probably not a disaster going on that I don't have some sort of connection to. Mm-hmm. I know a member or a friend or, uh, you know, a colleague that they're out there at doing these disasters wherever it may be across the country because because that network is so broad and, and across the country. You know, the old saying is you never want to change business cards at the back of the trunk of the car. You want to do it over coffee, you know, and I think something like this, an organization like that gives you that opportunity to be exchanging your business cards over coffee. For sure. For yeah. sure. Yeah. So um, if somebody was looking to get a hold of you, mm-hmm. how could they find you? 
Well, you can certainly email me at rcollins, R-C-O-L-L-I-N-S, at org, or you can go to our website at the same website address, and you can click on Contact Us, or go to the Board of Directors, and you find my my contact information there as well. And so, like I always say, if you're driving down the road, it's going to be in the show notes. If your pencil's not sharp, don't worry about it. You can just go over to uh, ianweekly.com, go ahead and click on the show notes down there, or whatever listening organization that you're listening to, iTunes, Stitcher, whatever you got on, and they'll be in the show notes there as well. So don't fret if that's what the problem is. We're coming here close to the end. I got a couple more questions for you. Okay. So this is going to be the hardest one. Okay. What book, books, or publication do you recommend to somebody involved in emergency management? Oh my goodness. So uh, number one, I am a Thomas Drabeck fan, professor emeritus at uh, University of Denver, but I go, I go old school. So his first book, his first research book was called Disaster in Isle 13. And it's about the Coliseum explosion in Indianapolis in 1963. And you can read that book and you would think we've not learned a thing in terms of disaster <laughs> <Right>. response. It's uh, <laughs> not good news. <laughs> no, it's not good news, but it's a great read. And, uh, and it really makes you go, oh my gosh, you know, we've, we've, uh, there's so many lessons learned of the past that we can still apply today. And he's also got his, his newest book, The Human Side of Disaster, that I would also encourage people to read. And then anything John Boyd. And John Boyd never really came out with his own book, but you can read his biography written by Robert Cochran, Boyd, I think it's called Boyd, something about the fire pilot, but an autobiography of John Boyd. And that's a great one. And then one of his protégés, Chet Richards, he wrote Certain to Win. And it's all about Boyd's theories as well. So uh, I'm a huge theorist in John Boyd and yeah. uh, talks about his OODA loop and, and decision-making thought process and how to apply it in, in, in different ways. So I would... <laughs> You know what's interesting about Boyd is that OODA loop is what everybody remembers him by, uh-huh. but that's just like really one of the simple things that he talked about. For it was sure. a very small fraction of what he really gets into. He was an amazing person. Yeah, I mean, his maneuverability, warfare, very much implemented in our time in the service right. with the Gulf War and, and very much embraced by the Marine Corps and then proceeded to be studied and, and people grew grew upon his foundations with that as we as we go. But you, you can really apply them to emergency management practices as right. well. And I, I just love that uh, about about him and his theories. And, and if you study his foundational work, it's, it's, it's great stuff. He, he also gets into like like multidimensional warfare and, and being in each space. Yeah. And now we're adding the cyberspace to it. And I think you're right. As emergency managers, we really can't think of things linear. We have to think about the multiple dimensions that we're in, whether it's the, the response to the specific disaster, the, during the recovery aspects of it, how it's affecting the people. How's it, you know, there's so much that goes on. And if you can take and understand Boyd's multiple multiple dimensional concepts, then you'll, you'll, you'll rock emergency management. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and then I would also encourage more on a, a traditional leadership front. I guess I, there's so many books there that I, I could really uh, get into, but um, I want to go with Organizational Change and Leadership by Shine. And it's very much a textbook. It's one that I, I had at USC in, in my doctorate program. And you, and you think it's more of a business book or whatever, but amazing reasons whatsoever. He uses a lot of references to disasters. Hmm. And it's not really an emergency management book at all, but uh, nonetheless, it's, it's about organizational change and leadership at uh, Shine, S-C-H-E-I-N, and it's a, it's a great book as well. Awesome. Okay, so before I let you go, is there anything that you'd like to say directly to the emergency managers out there? Oh, gee, thanks for that honor. I would say don't settle for the status quo. Be creative, be innovative, 
think outside the box but within the system and uh, and and challenge always challenge to do things differently and always do better don't get into the into the routine of well this is the way we've always done it because there's new and better ways to do things i think as emergency managers because lives are at stake and everything else we often become risk averse <laughs> and 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 i get it and so one way that i have found to combat that is a lot of people kind of say Ooh, you know gee how can we do that or we can we can't risk it and and so we like to throw that risk word in there mm -hmm. but i kind of try to change it around a little bit emergency managers being within the public safety environment we also honor courage and and i would just ask do you have the courage to do it mm -hmm. and you know it kind of changes that mindset a little bit from do you can we risk it well do you have the courage to do it and, and it, it kind of changes that perspective a little bit and so have the courage to to go against the status quo and, and make change and progress emergency management. That's awesome. Well, so much, Randy. Thank you so much for being here today and spending time here with the uh, Ian Weekly audience and uh, love to have you on again sometime. Yeah, we'd love to be on and uh, we'd love to talk about some different things we got going on in El Segundo as well. And it has been a pleasure. Thanks for having me.